You are Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to a fresh week here on the Locked On Syracuse podcast. Tyler Aki and Tim Leonard. Hope everyone enjoyed their holiday over the weekend. If they were celebrating it, today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use our promo code LOCKED15 and you will get 15% off your next order. Tim, we've got so much to get to today because the Orange picked up a new forward, Cole Swider, joining Syracuse for next season. The transfer portal has been so much fun to monitor over the weekend and pretty much throughout the the offseason for the Syracuse team. And guess what? They're probably not done. There's still plenty of names left out there. So keep up with us at LO underscore Syracuse on Twitter. And you can also check us out on wherever you get your podcasts. Hit that subscribe button. We're bringing you fresh Syracuse transfer news and offseason news all summer long. Can't wait to get into it and really flesh it out. But Cole Swider, Villanova transfer. We kind of hinted at this over the in some of our podcasts leading into the weekend that this could be a real possibility and I think this sort of snuck up on me let me know if this snuck up on you but I didn't re- really remember his timeline of when he got to Nova this is a guy who's entering his junior season yeah uh, or rather his, his <laughs> senior season he just finished his junior season he's entering right his, I guess it's technically a redshirt junior season since everyone gets the free year but this is a guy who he's got two years of eligibility left but it's not like he's some spring chicken that the orange is bringing in no he's Buddy Beheim's age essentially he was in that class that Buddy committed and Jalen Carey and I'm trying to remember if there was one other maybe it was Robert Braswell was in that class as well so yes, it's it kind of funny mm-hmm. Yeah, how this has worked because Samir Torrance and Cole Swider were two guys that we remember, you know, we basically had podcasts back then and we were talking about them and we were researching their game and now we're, we've kind of come full circle on these guys. And I think Cole Swider is someone that we're pretty excited about, both of us. I, so here's where I sit with Cole Swider and we'll get into his game right now. And I, I look at Swider and, and this is a guy who... He's going to provide some some shooting for you because you don't know exactly what you're going to lose. I mean, to a degree, you do know what you're going to lose. You know you're losing Robert Braswell, and he was shooting the ball pretty well when he did get his minutes throughout the season. It probably looks like you're going to lose Alan Griffin. It still kind of feels 50-50. I, I wouldn't be shocked either way. That That's the way I'd sit he's right now. He's betting on himself. That's what he's tweeting. I don't he know what that means. He did tweet that out. But yeah. <laughs> usually that means you're, you're taking some sort of leap. I don't think betting on yourself if you're Alan Griffin is coming back to Syracuse. Um, or maybe it is. Maybe it's him embracing the competition. Like, hey, I'm going to come back and I'm going to beat out Cole Swider for that spot at the three or that spot at the four. Um, whatever it ends up being. But... No, I, I look at at this as Cole Swider. He's going to come in. He's probably going to start, if I had to guess, because I don't think he's going from coming off the bench at Villanova to going to Syracuse and, and expecting to do the same thing. Like, why wouldn't you just stay at a program like Villanova who gets into the tournament comfortably every single year? Exactly. I think the case for Swider being a success at Syracuse is that Villanova just wasn't a good fit for him. And that's kind of the same thing we laid out with Samir Torrance at Marquette. But when I say that about Villanova, they play a heavy man-to-man defensive scheme that switches a lot. And he kind of got exposed in that scheme, honestly, defensively. And he's gone on record and said 
the on-court fit at Villanova wasn't the best for me. And he said that publicly in several interviews since he's committed to Syracuse. And the case is now he goes to a 2-3 zone and his deficiencies, his weaknesses can be masked a little bit because, well, we know you have to be athletic to play the 2-3 zone. And there still are concerns for me in terms of how quick he is and how quickly he can adapt to the 2-3 zone. But he's got length and... I think if you're a bad defender, it's probably better, or you lack foot speed and quickness, it's better for him to be in a 2-3 zone defense than it is for him to be playing that man-to-man style that Villanova plays. And also, he's a good fit for Syracuse and what they want to do on offense because they're going to want to shoot it again, and he's a knockdown shooter at 6-9, which is encouraging offensively. And I think he's also one of those guys, you look at what Villanova was doing, and you talk about the fit, He's probably one of those guys, I don't want to say he got lied to during his recruiting process, but things changed, and he kind of found himself on the wrong end of some of these battles. Like, he came in behind Jermaine Samuels. Maybe he thought Jermaine Samuels was going to be gone but at a certain point. He came in and played behind Sadiq Bey. Like, he was just kind of stuck behind guys. Jeremiah Robinson Earl, and these are all really good players. Like, Sadiq Bey, NBA player right now. Jermaine Samuels, quality piece. Jeremiah Robinson Earl, probably going to the NBA this year. So, you look at it, and he just kind of felt like he was the odd man out on some really good Villanova teams. And I don't think he wanted to be that odd man out. He wants, obviously, his goal is to make it to the NBA. And you can say, oh, well, he's running from the competition. Well, at the same time, sometimes you want to put yourself in the best position to succeed. And sometimes the best position to succeed is a new landscape. And that's what Syracuse is providing him with. And I'd imagine, I'm not going to say he was promised a starting job because I don't think, well, those promises probably do happen to a certain degree, but... I Not do at think Syracuse, that, I don't think, though. He was probably told you have an inside track, something of that sort. Yeah, and I think he was told we need you because we've yes. lost a lot of players and there's going to be options there. There's a certain and way there's going to be more players it. on the way out, yeah. too. And it was interesting. I watched his interview with Alex Sims. Uh, I believe she's she's at one of the news stations. I think it's Channel 9, if I'm not mistaken. I, I may have that yes, wrong. I get it, it mixed mm-hmm. up. But, okay, yeah. Channel 9. So, and she did a good job interviewing him. And it was kind of interesting uh, hearing him say that he went into the portal at 140, and Jerry McNamara called him, I think he said, at 142. And he was so excited. you think so there's like the equivalent to, of tweet notifications for, for the transfer yeah, portal? Like, you just get must. an email like, yep, Cole Swider, he's in. All he right, must have just been refreshing up. that thing constantly, which good for <laughs> GMAC to be on top of it. And maybe he kind of had a feeling that hopefully that was a guy that they could go after, but... He said when his phone lit up and it was GMAC, he got excited because that's the guy that he had a great relationship with. That's the guy who recruited him really hard. And GMAC knows Coach Hart, who is the St. Andrews head coach, which St. Andrews now, I mean, Demetrius Nichols, Bryson Goodine recently, who did transfer, but also Michael Carter-Williams have come to Syracuse from that high school in Rhode Island. But he said his phone lit up and then he was excited. They got talking to GMAC and they were just basically like, we wanted you then. We still want you now. And then GMAC said something like, all right, I'm going to hand it over to the big man. This is what Swider was telling uh, Alex Sims and said, <laughs> the OG coming in yeah, to, the to OG give him the got offer on the phone. he can't refuse. Right. And Beheim just talked to him for 15 minutes. And he said after that, he was basically sold because Beheim was like, we need you. Here's what you're going to do. We run a lot of down screens. We're going to get you looks offensively. And his numbers weren't great at Villanova, 5.7 points per game and 18.9 minutes per game. 
Didn't rebound a ton, didn't get a ton of assists. 2.8 rebounds at 6'9", a little underwhelming despite playing not that many minutes and then 1.1 assists. And again, like we talked about this a little bit, when you talk to Villanova people, they were very down on him and no one was really like, it wasn't like when Kadari left Syracuse. They weren't like, oh my gosh, how are we going to replace Cole Swider? Right. But I do think he's got a lot of talent. I mean, that that has to count for something. He has a lot of big time schools that were after him when he was in high school and after him now as well. Well, I look at it this way. Look at the improvements he's made. I mean, shooting the ball, his freshman season, 28% from three. Second season, 35% from three. Junior season, he gets to 40%. And while the points per game isn't necessarily going up, look at some of his conference stats. And I know they're not glowing. Like He goes from three points to 4.2 points to five and a half points. But you do want to see improvement. He got he improved in points and he improved in rebounds every single year in conference play. So I don't necessarily care what he's doing against St. Joe's. I want to see what he's doing against Marquette and Creighton and, and those sorts of schools as opposed to some of the local schools, the Lehigh's or whatever that he may play the Lafayette's that that he might play in the non-conference so I'm looking at a guy who maybe he just needs the opportunity and we kind of talked about this with Alan Griffin and he honestly might just be a bigger Alan Griffin a guy who can shoot the three you don't know what you're going to get with him defensively is it going to be something where he's going to need a little more time to adapt to the two three zone or is it going to be one of those things like remember Alan Griffin he can transfer wherever he wants now after this season if he does end up leaving but Cole Swider, if he were to transfer after Syracuse, he would have to sit out for a season. And that's part of what makes it unappetizing for him to make that next step. And that's why I think maybe he could sit in, he'll he'll learn the 2-3 zone and, and kind of have trial by fire that, that first time through in his first season. But that second season, he might iron some things out. Yeah, and who knows how willing he is to come back for that extra year because it's kind of like the Marek situation where that is true. You know, he had the extra year, but he's going to be already through four years of college at that point. It might just be that he wants to move on. And he did say to uh, Alex Sims again, shout out to that interview. He said something like, "Whether it's one or two years, whatever it is, I'm just going to be hungry and give you guys my all, basically." And thought that was kind of interesting, but I'm not going to read too much into that. He probably doesn't really even know exactly what he's thinking right now is what I would take away from that. A couple of things. One is I mentioned that a lot of good schools were after him. There was a report that Syracuse, Rutgers, Indiana, Arizona, Florida, East Carolina, and Pittsburgh had really showed a lot of interest in him this time around after he entered into the transfer portal and became kind of a recruit again. He had a Duke offer initially. He had Xavier initially, very close to committing to Xavier, I think were the reports initially and obviously very close to coming to Syracuse as well. And that relationship was a huge part of the reason why he really just jumped right into a quick decision here to Syracuse. Other thing is you brought up how he played in Big East competition and did pretty well. His conference play stats are actually pretty much better than his overall numbers. Offensive rating in conference play this past year on Ken Palm, 121, which is 100 is average again. Damn good. Yeah, that's third best in the Big East, according to these Kempom stats right here. So you're right. It's how much will it extrapolate into a bigger role? Kind of the same type of conversation we had about Alan Griffin this time last year. 
Hey, quick break to tell you about the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. It is betonline.ag. We've got the national championship tonight, and there are props, odds, totals, spreads, anything that you want. You can bet on it at betonline.ag. And they even cover awards, TV shows, and reality TV. So there's no excuse to not get in on some of the action right now. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. And it's the best way to place your bets, and it's also free to sign up for an account. So head on over to the website or use your mobile device today to sign up and receive a 50% welcome bonus. All you got to do, punch in our promo code locked on all one word and you will get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. You throw in 50, you're going to get an extra 25 on the house. So whatever amount you get, you take it, take half of it, you're getting free from betonline.ag. So head on over to the website, use the promo code locked on, betonline, your online sportsbook experts. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Another interesting little wrinkle with him too is he's got tournament experience. He's been a part of a winning culture. And I think that stuff matters. Like, it's one thing to bring Alan Griffin over, but Alan Griffin hadn't won anything at Illinois. Like, they, they won a couple games and were playing well in the Big Ten his last season with the Fighting Illini, but they hadn't won really anything. They didn't know what it's like to win. This guy knows what it's like to be a part of a championship culture. And I think that stuff really does matter. Now, I know he didn't win a championship, but he committed to Villanova when they were the reigning national champs. He was a high commit in that sort of class that he came in. And I look at what what he can do and what he can bring from that experience aspect. I mean, he's played around some really talented players. When you think of Colin Gillespie, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, Sadiq Bey. I mean, we know how much Jim Beheim loves Sadiq Bey and, and Colin Gillespie. <laughs> I mean, they, they play hard as you know what every single night. But I also think, I mean, when you look at some of, especially the shooting numbers, they stacked up well. I mean, he had the best three-point percentage on a Villanova team from this past season. And he also, even though he came off the bench and didn't play a ton of minutes, it's not like there wasn't a sample size there. He took, I'm looking right now, he took the the fourth most attempts on Villanova from three. He almost got up to yeah. 100. He was 35 of 87 to round it out to 40.2%. So he can shoot the ball. And he, he's used to playing in an offensive league. Like the Big East is an offense, offense, offense league. And I know some Syracuse fans who remember the old Big East may be thinking like, that's not the Big East I remember. Well, things have changed there when you've got some of the bad boys like the the Syracuses that have left the conference. Um, but I, I, it's just, I like to see a guy who's coming from an offensive league because at the end of the day, what wins these days? Like good offense beats good defense now. I think we, yeah. we've seen that. I mean, just just look at some of these tournament games. Gonzaga, good offense beats good defense these days. And he's coming from an offensive league. And the question mark for him offensively is, 
How much can he put the ball on the floor? How much can he attack? How much can he create for others and not just be a spot-up shooter? And it's kind of the same thing we talked about with Alan Griffin, maybe to a lesser degree uh, with Griffin around this time last year. But we still, I mean, you look at Alan Griffin's numbers from this past year. He shot a ton of threes. He didn't get to the free throw line as much as I think anyone would have liked. And that's kind of the same thing with Swider. He has not attempted a whole lot of free throws, just 12 last year. Again, he only played about 19 minutes a game and started just two games for Villanova, but he's attempted 241 threes in his Villanova career in three years compared to 101 two. So this is a guy that's been mostly just a spot-up shooter, and then he'll get a transition layup or something like that. How much else is in his offensive package? I'd like to think there's more to his game, especially when you consider how highly recruited he was. But that's going to be the question mark on offense. Obviously, we know there will be question marks on defense as well. And there's always question marks when you're a guy transitioning to the 2-3 zone. The good news is he has kind of the unteachables in terms of the 2-3 zone length that you are looking for with 6-9. He even really, maybe you can make a case, could play that back half of the zone in kind of an emergency situation if you wanted to. About I don't the think five, the, like the anchor, right? Yeah. I don't think you'd I, I want him to. That. At the worst, he provides you some depth, right? Yeah, right. Like, he it's provides like you Tyler Lydon was a similar like was, frame. What, like 6'9", six, 6'10"? Six, yeah. yeah. Like, he could do it if you probably needed him to if there's foul trouble with Jesse or whatever other center you're going to have on the roster. Right, that's all I'm saying. I don't think they want him to be the anchor. Don't get me wrong, but it, there's some potential flexibility and versatility to him as right. well. 6'9", 225. I think he gained about 15 pounds since he got to Villanova. And what did Syracuse learn this year? You can never have enough center depth. Yeah. You can, even <laughs> though right. they should have had a lot of center depth, but they just didn't because some guys haven't developed or, or for whatever other reason, things didn't work out. I mean, John Bull, can we use the backboard, please? Um, but <laughs> I, I love that video, by the way. Go check that, that out. Great. I think we tweeted it out or something along the lines of that. But there's a training video of slow motion, Woody. <laughs> <laughs> there's a training yeah. video of a it's like an inside look at a Syracuse practice. And Bayheim is just reaming into John Bullock. And rightfully so. The guy missed like three layups and layup lines. Wasn't um, great. Yeah. Yeah. It was not a good look for for JBA, but we still love him. Um, but can we use the backboard, please? Yeah. Um, <laughs> So I'm looking at at how at what this means and, and the dominoes of everything here uh, of what this means. We kind of laid it out a little bit with um, with Alan Griffin, but I want to get into what would happen with Quincy because to me, like if Quincy came back, that starting spot is his. Right. Is this the writing on the wall that maybe Quincy's not coming back? I'm worried about him. Yeah, I, I don't see him coming back at this point and. Not like, I mean, obviously it's still way too early that if he had plans to come back, he wouldn't have, it wouldn't have, like, it's not like we were waiting on him to say something this past couple weeks. And by I mean, come he, back, I think what we mean also is he's played for his last college. Like, he's he's not yeah transferring somewhere else out of the draft process. It's just that he is, he's either going to come back to Syracuse, play for Syracuse, or he's going to go to the NBA or overseas we're just leaning on the sides of he's going to go to the NBA or overseas or the G League or something like that. Yeah, it doesn't feel great based on just the rumors and everything out there that he's coming back. And then he's 22. And I just feel like all these kids, just when they get a chance to go nowadays, they go. He's not going to get drafted in all likelihood. I mean, he's not even 
inside the top 100 of most big boards, so he would need quite the rise in the He'd combine and workout damn stuff. good combine. Uh, you have to yeah. do really well at the G League combine. And, like, remember this. The G League combine, O'Shea Brissett was fantastic. He played so well at the G League combine, he got an invite to the NBA combine out of that and still didn't get drafted. It's tough. It right. is not an easy. And congrats to O'Shea. I think he just signed with the the Pacers too on a on a ten day or something like that. Or he just got some sort of uh, contract. So congrats yeah, I think it was to a Julius. G League ten day. I was believe. it a G League ten day? Okay, so congrats to yeah. O'Shea. Uh, I do think there's still NBA potential in him. But I look at Quincy, and you could tell at the end of his career at Syracuse, he tried to showcase some things. Like you saw him step back, try to shoot some more threes, but. Yep. I do think that's with Swider coming in, this could be the writing on the wall that maybe we're not going to see Quincy Garrier again. Plus, we know that I, I think we all know that Jimmy Beheim is coming at some point here, we would assume. So you'd have to think that the coaching staff was factoring in Jimmy Beheim as well to the forward equation. And they still thought, all right, we got Benny and Jimmy coming, but we still need to probably add another. And they went out and got Cole Swider knowing that. Now, you look at next year's roster. You know JG3 and Buddy are coming back. You know Benny is likely coming, you would imagine. He could probably start right away if you need him to, knowing he's one of the better recruits they've gotten ratings-wise in a while. And just even outside of that, when you watch his tape and everything, it seems to be glowing reviews about Benny Williams, which is very exciting. Cole Swider, I think, could be a starter. It's not the end of the world, I think, if you're starting him. And then Jesse slash Barama, I guess, at that center position. Maybe Frank Anselm's involved. We don't know. If Marek's coming back. We don't know that yeah, either. that's true. Right. Listen, uh, I'm with you. There's I, still a lot of unknown. Yeah, there's so much unknown, especially in that front court. And I will say this. I think in terms of if you want Marek back, if you want all these guys back, the longer you have to wait is probably better in terms of if you want them to come back. It means they're mulling right. a decision and I still think we're going to see a couple more guys going to the transfer portal, but I think they're mulling decisions now. And that's all, at least it has Syracuse in the cards. It's not like Kadari or Braswell, who probably knew they were transferring before the final horn sounded against Houston. Right. You wonder, like, why, if you're Woody Newton and you're leaving, why haven't you entered your name yet? And I'm just not saying he's Especially leaving or not. Especially in the case of Woody. Right, but you would think he just wants to get his name out there to other coaches and get his name inside the portal so that other coaches can reach out to him and he can start that process himself. So maybe he is mulling it over, which he's another forward that you would have to include in this hypothetical rotation. Really, what's blossoming here is, I think, the big question for me, and again, it's kind of silly to do this exercise. We're, we're still waiting on a lot, but... Knowing what we know about the roster right now, it feels like this team's going to have plenty of shooting, and it's just how much can they create off the dribble, really? Is Buddy going to continue to be the go-to guy? And then outside of those initial questions is, you don't have that great playmaking ability that Kadari had last year, so who else is going to step up and be those playmakers? Is Gerard capable of just having a much better start to finish year than he had last year because I think at this rate we're really going to need Gerard to take a step up if they want to get off the bubble line and we can get into maybe like how we're thinking about this team even later in the week honestly too but it does just sort of feel like it's trending towards another bubble year for me when I look at the roster right now and knowing what we know right now but a lot is still yet to unfold here. 
Okay, guys, I want to remind you about my favorite protein bar out there, which is, of course, Built Bar. They've been with us for a while now, and they are great to have early in the morning, after a workout, after a run. It is my favorite protein bar out there. They are a candy bar that is somehow good for you. Built Bar is great for the health-conscious guy. They are covered in 100% chocolate, but they're soft and easy to chew, and you can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. The bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, yet high protein and high fiber. You take the peanut butter, for example, 19 grams protein, just 180 calories, 5 grams sugar, 5 grams net carbs. These bars are great for you, and they taste delicious as well. And when you go to BuiltBar.com today, use our promo code LOCKED15. That gets you 15% off your next order. Again, that promo code is LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. So we ran a poll over the weekend. It was after the announcement that Swider was coming to Syracuse. Based on the early returns of the offseason, both for better and for worse, what is your outlook for next year's Syracuse team? Better than last year? Bubble team again? Worse than last year? Have you seen the results of the poll? Uh, I saw the early results, which I think were heavily better than last year. Yeah, so that's where it ended. 51% of Q's fans that voted on this poll think that this team will be better than it was from a season ago. 37% say it's a bubble team again, and 12% say it'll be worse than last year. And we can get into some of these replies as well that were left for us, but where would you be voting on on this poll? Because I don't think I'm rolling with the majority. I'm not fully sold on that side yet. Yeah, and one of our replies was basically, why are we doing this now? I, I totally get that, but we're having fun. It's the offseason. It's, you know, we're just going to have it's these conversations. This, this is what fun is for. This is what, this right. is, yeah, this is perfect. Yeah, and I I think I'm bubble team, as I think I just said. I, I wouldn't say worse than last year. Now, it's a tricky question because do I think they're going to make the Sweet 16 again? Maybe not, but then again, if they get to the tournament, I feel pretty darn good about any Syracuse team, regardless of really who's suiting up, just based on the recent history anyway. So it feels to me like another team that is going to enter middle-of-the-pack ACC preseason polls, maybe seven or eight, which I guess last year they were six, and then probably trend towards the bubble most of the season, in the regular season at least, would be my expectation right now, not knowing about those other guys, but I'm leaning towards bubble again. So here's where I sit on it. I think that this will be a better regular season team. I, and I say that because like, you have added more talent on this team. You've added some top 100 level recruits to this team who may have been misfits in their prior situations. And I think getting that change of scenery is going to help them. Listen, like Samir Torrance isn't going to come in here and average just two points per game. I don't think Cole Swider is going to be a guy who averages six points per game next season. I think both of them will be given opportunity to thrive beyond what they were at their previous Big East stops. However, I, I'm not going to say this. This is why I don't think they're a bubble team. I think they will get in somewhat comfortably, but I don't really? say that like as I'm not saying that as like, oh, they're going to be a six seed. Oh, they're going to be a five seed. No. I think it's going to be more of the vibes of the 2019 tournament team where they got in as like an eight or a nine. And I guess when you look at the seating of everything, Syracuse technically did get in somewhat comfortably as a, as a, as an 11 seed this year and they didn't get into the play in game. And I think that was a little bit surprising to some, 
But at the same time, I also think that like this could be a team that's a 10 seed or a nine seed, which to me, I guess, is getting in comfortably. Like you may sweat it out a little bit down the stretch, but you pick up a, a win here or there. I think you'll know their fate on that Sunday. Let's put it that way. You, you won't yeah. be wondering, will they be getting in? Will they not be getting in? fact, I wouldn't even say on that Sunday. You might know their fate heading into the ACC tournament. Where it's going to be I'm like a little okay, different maybe, than you, I think. I just may, maybe you have to win like a Wake Forest or a Pitt in the first game of the in your first okay. matchup of the ACC tournament or whatever. But that'll be enough to get you in. Yeah, my concern really is the early season where you're implementing new bodies to the two-three zone. And that's we've fair. seen it mm-hmm. so much now. And honestly, the past two years, I've gone into the season and thought, okay, this is the year they get off the bubble and they're going to be about a six or a seven seed. And they burned me the past two years. So I think I'm just going to pick bubble until they're not on the bubble. <laughs> Smart man. Which is, Trend is your when friend. will that end? Who knows? Right. No, I mean, so yeah, so you're you're back on the bubble. I, I think they'll be better. Listen, I don't, in terms of the profile of your average Sweet 16 team, I don't think this is that. I And I'm not saying a Syracuse standard. I'm talking about like an NCAA tournament standard Sweet 16 team. I don't think this team is that good. It is good enough to be that standard Sweet 16 team. I'm not talking about a Syracuse Sweet 16 team because we know that the seeding doesn't necessarily matter for them. Um, like, would I pick this team to go to the Sweet 16? No. I would, as I look at it right now, and again, there's so many question marks, I would still say they are a piece or two away from being a a standard Sweet 16 team. Like, if this team went out and got a really good big man, I think that changes my entire perception of what this team would be heading into next season. And I'm not talking about a Marek returning. I'm talking about, like, go get a Trey Mitchell or if you really shot big. And listen, they're, they're not going to get, like, a Walker Kessler out there. But, like, if they were to get one of these bigger names that entered the the transfer portal. I know Cutis Wahab has already committed to Maryland, and they've made a lot yeah, of noise. Yeah, I just don't know who that big guy is, honestly. Yeah, no, it, and, and that's a fair question, too. Like, I don't know who right. that guy is either. But... Again, this process is still ongoing. We're going to continue to see names filter in and out of the the portal moving forward. And it'll be, again, the the offseason's a wild west. We're going to continue to see changes to 350-plus rosters across the country over these next two, three months. And that's part of why you and I love watching what's happening right now because it is chaos. It is unpredictable. You don't know. I mean... If you would have asked us after the the first couple of months if Kadari Richmond was not going to be on this team, we would have said, oh, yeah, he probably played his way into the NBA. He was playing so well. And who knows? He's going to end up probably on on some Big East roster or something like that over the weekend or over the next week or so. So it'll be interesting. Uh, I want to do I do want to get to some of these responses here. People love Cole Swider, man. I mean, (laughs) this is like Samir Torrance. Maybe got a little bit of a hometown bump in terms of the excitement, but I would say it was a pretty neutral reaction. Like, people weren't overly amped. People weren't like, oh, this sucks. Like, they were just kind of in the middle with it. Cole Swider, I mean, we've got people saying we're winning the effing thing. We've got other people saying that this team's going to be better. Um, Final Four, I mean, I see a 2022 national champions in here. I mean, people love Cole Swider. People love Cole Swider, and I, I got to say this. I don't think he's a guy who makes you a Final Four team, but he's a nice piece. He's a nice ad. He filled a role that you probably are going to end up needing after seeing how the roster shook out. 
Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. It's honestly, I think a little part of the excitement is it's almost like you missed out on, uh, you put something on your Christmas wish list, it didn't come, and then your birthday is in like March and you get him then. Like you're rolling, yeah. like you get him the second time after missing out. So I think a lot of us. It's like a gift card, man. Like you get a yeah. gift card. You didn't get what you were looking for, but you got something that can help contribute to what you actually wanted. It's just weird because we all bought into Cole Swider about three, four years ago. And same with Samir Torrance, honestly. And Torrance was a little bit different because they kind of were late to recruiting him. And then they offered and it was like, okay, there's a hometown kid. Hopefully he comes and he didn't. And now it's like, whoa, they're actually on our roster. It's just fascinating how these two guys so far have been pretty much like huge high school recruits that Syracuse was after. Right. And one of them's a local kid and then... Maybe the lad Jimmy Beheim as well. The tough part for me overall, you're just adding some unknowns and you're losing some knowns. Like we knew the Kadari was going to be a huge positive next year. How much of a positive mm-hmm. and how much he played and maybe it would have brought more discussions about Jim's playing time and methods, but we knew he was going to be a positive. Quincy, I'm not saying he's not coming back, but we know if he comes back, he's a total known. I mean, we know what we're yeah. getting from Quincy at this point. Probably going to be a double-double guy, all-conference-level guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd like to think that Cole Swider is going to make strides. He's going to be a double-digit scorer, and he's going to continue to knock down shots in an offense that breeds a lot of three-point shooting. I think they're going to be fine offensively, and I'd like to think Benny Williams is a seamless transition and is a really uh, big contributor. But even Jesse Edwards, to a lesser extent, it's like, do we really know what we're getting with Jesse in a full year as the starting center, potentially, if Barama doesn't or Marek doesn't come back? So there's just a lot more up in the air. This team isn't inexperienced, though. I mean, they're adding no. a guy that's basically a senior. And then Samir Torrance has, I guess, three years of eligibility. So one less or one more year. Jimmy Beheim will have just one year if he comes. And I mean, they'll have experience. That's a good thing. They just don't really have experience of playing in the Syracuse system, which is concerning. I will say this, and everyone talks about how Syracuse really hasn't done well with developing the projects that they bring in. And you can say like, oh, these guys are are like these broken pieces who didn't find a ton of success at their prior stops, or at least not the success that they were amped up to have out of high school. But I would say this, it's like, it's one thing if you're a Frank Anselm and you literally picked up a basketball like five years ago. It's another thing when you're a top 100 recruit trying to find your groove. They're not teaching the game to these guys. These guys know how to play basketball. They've played on high-level AAU teams. I mean, they've even played on high-level college teams, especially in the case of Cole Swider. They've played big-time basketball. So for people who are concerned about that, I would say, well, that there's one major hurdle that's out of the way. It's kind of like Elijah Hughes. Like His numbers weren't great at ECU. And people could have said, like, oh, he's a project. But, like, he knew the game. He, he had been around the game. He'd played high-level high school ball, high-level AAU ball. And that turned out to be one of the greatest Jim Beheim transfer stories. I'm not saying it's the greatest, but one of the better ones that he has had. And I look at Cole Swider and, and Samir Torrance says, all right, these guys were highly regarded, and now you've got a chance to, to really see them prove it and maybe live up to the hype that they had coming out of high school. They have some good history here, almost like how Beheim has some good history of when guys leave, they haven't really succeeded at their next stop. We'll see 
if Kadari kind of debunks that or maybe a couple others this year actually do succeed and, and go on to further their career in a more positive way than some of the recent guys, it does feel to me a little bit like, I don't know, I've, I've just, I think Quincy coming back, guy, all, there's too many questions really to dive into it too much, but right now I just say credit to the staff. They went out, they kind of got two guys that I think we're excited about, and you can make a case that Samir Torrance also will be good because he reclassified to 2019, so he's really kind of like going into his sophomore year in a way in that sense, almost like how Beheim talked about Frank Anselm a lot this year. So exciting two pieces, and really the, my expectation of the team really depends now on Quincy and Marek, I'd say, as the two main guys that I'm waiting on to see if they're coming back or not. Yeah, I, I think this team gives me vibes of 2017 a little bit. The the, the Leiden and and the the transfer years with Andrew White and, and those Tice Battles, freshman season, John Gillen. And to that I would say... And I know Syracuse fans are probably thinking, well, we didn't get in the tournament that year. But to that, I would counter, if that 2017 team suited up now and the way that they use the the analytics and all that stuff to, to build tournament resumes, that 2017 team, if they put forward that performance in 2021, that team's in the tournament. Like I, I don't think yeah. there's much wiggle room around. When you're beating three top 10 teams, you're going to get in the tournament if you play in the ACC. So I think if even if you are seeing shades of 2017, I wouldn't say beware. I would say that's actually probably a good thing. And I think the 2017 style of basketball that they played lends itself to have a lot of success in the modern day, which is weird because it's only three or four years removed from that. But at the same time, it feels like the game has changed and the even the, the committee process of, of how it... Um, seeds the tournament and all that stuff that has changed so much in the last five years as well. So I, I would be more optimistic if we were to see another version of the 2017 team. So, all right, we will be back at it tomorrow because I've got some burning questions for Tim. I want to know how much you really need to add this offseason, given the fact that Buddy Beheim took a colossal step to end the year. So, how much does Buddy's improvement? impact your view of the 2021-2022 Syracuse team. We'll dive into that, and we'll also give you some more transfer updates because guess what? Every single morning I wake up with new transfer news on my Twitter timeline. So check us out on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse. You can keep up to date with us, with the show, and also be sure to hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcast. Rate, review. We'd love to hear your feedback as well. So for Tim, I'm Tyler. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Tomorrow.